So happy new year. Um, glad to be here. Greg called me on Wednesday. He wasn't feeling well, so asked me if I would step in for him. I'm like, absolutely. I've never said no. Uh, it's my deal with the Lord. If someone asked me to come, I'll come. So I said, yes. Then he told me what to preach on. I was like, no. Um, so we've been in a battle. I said, I'll come, but I just want to, if we can be in agreement, I want to cancel the 830 service. And he said, okay. And I'm like, I was expecting more of a battle from Greg. And he says, 830 canceled. We're going to keep the 8 o'clock service. But, uh, so we did still keep that one. So we're here. Um, I, I love New Year's. How many of you have a good, solid New Year's resolution? Anybody? So we got two overachievers couple more thinking about it. Um, I think most of us, when we, we do get excited about the new year, there's this, there's this recheck. We get an opportunity to just go, okay, is my life going in the direction that I want it to be? Are my priorities lined up? Are my activities lined up? Is my time lined up? All these type things that this becomes a great time to do it. I actually looked up the top five New Year's resolutions, uh, exercise more, lose weight, get organized, learn a new skill, live life to the fullest. Those are, those are all great things. Um, you know, I also start the new year off, I, I want to ask the Lord usually for a word or a thought or a phrase that I can just kind of chew on for the year, let it be the thing that I filter my life through just to kind of go, okay, Lord, what, what are we doing? Um, I love to do all these type things. But really, when, when I look at it, I look at the things that we're pining for. I look at the idea of exercise and losing weight and, and becoming more organized and, and, and learning a skill and living my life to the fullest. I, I love those things. They're good, but are they the ultimate thing or the thing that is, is kingdom citizens? Is it the thing that God's calling us to? Which I think we always have to start with, what's God doing? Right? What's God calling each one of us into? And so I think for most of us, how many of you would love for the idea for 2022 to be the best year yet? Like, guys, I'm not going to ask you a simpler question than that. No, I'm actually looking to now start going downhill. I want my life to slowly get worse every year. Like, of course we want it to get better. So the question is how? I mean, how do, and, and then, you know, Better is a funny word. Um, I want it to be better as God calls it to be better. So I really want to begin to look at it. God tells us how to have this life. God tells us exactly what to do. It's, it's, it's in the scripture. We see it all the time, but for the most part, we ignore it. And, and so I just want us to get to this simple thought today and begin to ask the Lord, how do we root 2022 in this thought? So in the book of Matthew, chapter 6, verse 33, this verse that we're all familiar with, it says, But seek first his kingdom and his righteousness, and all these things will be given to you as well. So there's two, if you write in your Bible, the first thing I want you to do is, is write, highlight, underline the word seek. I mean, the key to that verse starts right there at the beginning. Jesus said, I need you to seek. I need you to pursue it. I need you to run after it. I need you to go towards it. I need you to focus on it. I need you to obsess. I need you to study. I need you to be unyielding in the idea that you will seek after my kingdom. That's the first thing that we're called to, is not only this year, but just our life. 
We are called to the kingdom of God. We're called to seek it. And then we look at it and go, I actually seek it. It's the next word that can throw some of us off. I seek the kingdom. Yeah, but it doesn't say to seek it. It says seek it first. It says above everything else, seek my kingdom. And a lot of us as, as believers will go, that's the first thing I do. I get up and I seek his kingdom. I get up and I spend time in his word. It's the first thing I do. That's great, but that's not what it says. It doesn't say make it the first thing that you do. It says make it the thing you do. It's first above everything else that I seek. I want you to seek things, but as you seek it, the thing that has to be first, the thing that has to be the number one priority, the thing that is above all things else at all times, in any decision that you're making, the first thing that you must do is run passionately, unyielding, unrelenting towards my kingdom. He doesn't say run towards my church. He doesn't say run towards holiness. He says run towards my kingdom. Jesus preached over and over about his kingdom. When he asked to pray that my kingdom will come, right? That my will be done on earth as in heaven. Seek that mindset as you go after it. Seek it over and over. It has to be a priority. And if you look at the word priority, it's a thing that is regarded as more important than other things. So you look at it, and, and, and so think about the things that you're currently pursuing. Where does the kingdom pursuit fall in it? Where does pursuing his kingdom and his righteousness fit into the other things that I get up and I run after? Where does it fall? I mean, I think it's a question you hear people all the time. Hey, if you want to know someone's priorities, look at their money and their time. And I think there's a lot of truth to that. I think there's a lot of things that you can find out what we value. So what it says is, I need your number one priority. I need the thing that's above everything else in your life. I need the, the thing that you focus on that's above. I need it to be about the kingdom and the king. That's what we're called to do. And, and at times, I think we make it way too much hard. I mean, way too much harder than it needs to be. It just says, seek me first. I think about, um, if you look at Maslow's hierarchy of needs, here's basically what he says. He said, all of us are motivated basically for food, water, shelter, clothes. That's what our number one thing is. Then the second thing is we move towards safety and security, then love and belonging, you know, self-esteem, self-actualization, you know, significance, all these type things. And it begins to throw us off. If you look at, at the beginning of the verse before Jesus said, but seek first my kingdom, this is not a new thought that uh, Maslow came up with. Jesus knew where we struggled from the very beginning. When he started his ministry in the Sermon on the Mount, laying out the kingdom, he says, therefore I tell you, do not worry about your life. What you will eat or drink or about your body, what you'll wear. Is not your life more than food and your body more than clothes? Look at the birds of the air. Do they not sow or reap or store away in barns? And yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not much more valuable than they? Can any of one, any one of you by worrying add a single hour to your life? And why do you worry about your clothes and, and how the flowers of the field grow? They do not labor or spin, yet I tell you that not even Solomon in all his splendor is dressed like one of these. If that's how God clothes the grass of the field, which is here today and tomorrow is thrown into the fire, 
Will he not much more clothe you? You have little faith. So do not worry saying, what shall we eat? What shall we drink? Or what shall we wear? And this is the verse that's really challenging. And all of it's challenging. He says, for the pagans run after these things. And your heavenly father knows what you need. It's a pagan mindset to run after food and clothes and shelter and significance and, and, and these type things that matter. It's a really challenging thought. He says, man, people that do not know me do that. So what I'm telling you is don't spend your life thinking about those things. Seek first my kingdom and my righteousness and all these other things will be added. All of what other things? Food, clothes, shelter, community, significance. All those type things have to flow through the kingdom of God first. And that's the invitation that Jesus has for us. And so you look at it and go, well, what's my biggest challenge in seeking the kingdom first? I imagine my challenge is the same as your challenge, which is me. Your biggest challenge is you. Right? It's the me. God's word says to, to love others as you'd love yourself. You know how you love yourself? You love yourself first. I mean, that, that's, what the, that's what the word is saying. It said you need to love others first. You need to do other things first. Believe in my goodness. Believe that I will protect you. And so our, our challenge is we must die to self, right? It's this very kingdom thought. If you want to live, you have to die. If you want to be first, you have to be last. And so in seeking the kingdom, I no longer have to, I can no longer live. It has to be Christ that lives in me, right? We see it through Apostle Paul all over. So, so the idea is I must die, I must surrender. And again, what, what happens when we start the year, we start really getting this idea of I've got to pursue my purpose, I've got to pursue my calling, but understand this. Our pursuit of our purpose and our calling cannot be stronger than our surrender. Yeah. Say that again. The thing that you're pursuing can't be stronger then your surrender to the kingdom of God. There is a death that I'm called to, and in that death, I get life. In that death, I get purpose. And so when you look at it and go, how do I die to self? How do I live more in the kingdom? And Jesus, in the beginning of the Sermon on the Mount, or the beginning of chapter six, he tells us three things that have nothing to do with self, three things in which we can die. And in, in chapter six, verse two, he starts off with this. He said, so when you give to the needy. So that's the first, that's the first place of, of dying. Give to something other than yourself. Give to something that you get no benefit from. Give to something that is not in your life. Give to that. That's one. Number two. Is in verse 5. It says, and when you pray, do that, not like the hypocrites. It says, so when you pray. So that's the second thing. So it says, when you give, when you pray, and then that darn chapter 6, that darn verse 16, it goes on to say, anybody want to guess what it says? Look at your Bible. It says, when you fast. Brian, are you telling me that we're about to start talking about fasting? 
Yeah, Greg's like, hey, can you preach? I'm like, yep. He goes, can you preach on fasting? Nope. <laughs> I cannot. I, I had this thing that, that I don't lead a church, so when someone asks me to preach, I just go, okay, Lord, what are you talking to me about? You've been teaching me something, and I want to talk about that. That's the thing I want to talk about. And so I didn't want to talk about fasting. And then the Lord's like, Brian, are you paying attention? I've been talking to you about fasting the last week. I've been talking to you about the need to fast more. I've been talking to you more about surrender. I've been talking to you more to think less about yourself. So this is exactly what we're talking about. It's what the Lord wants. It's what, as you begin to move into a new year again, like I know the key to my life is Brian has to be less. I know for me, I have to die. I know for me, I have to surrender. I know for me that my surrender has to be much stronger than all of my hopes and dreams for 2022 because life will not work. And so Jesus is given this sweet invitation into the more. He's showing us that in it, it's, it's just part of the Christian life. And most of us get the idea of giving. Most of us get the idea of praying. But the idea of fasting, that, that idea hurts. It doesn't seem fun. I don't understand it. It just, it's, it's not something that we typically do much of in the church. And so I want to talk to us, why do we fast? I think biblically you can begin to see, you know, fasting comes from a place of humility. It comes from a place of sorrow. It comes from a place of repentance. It comes from, you know, this idea that I'm very serious about prayer. I'm serious about breakthrough. breakthrough. It's also this desire for God's presence. It's a desire for the presence of God to manifest in my life. These are all reasons that we fast. And if we go all the way back to, Gen, I mean, to Exodus, uh, Moses, as he's leading the people out, I think when we look at the Ten Commandments, the Ten Commandments is one of those things that I always grew up thinking, okay, there's a God full of a bunch of rules. He wants to control me. He wants to put me in a box. He doesn't want me to have any fun at all. And that's really not what's going on in the Ten Commandments. If you think about how marriage used to work, and so if I'm, if I'm a Jewish man, I go talk to a father and said, can I marry your daughter? He, you know, it's this arranged thing. He lets me talk to his daughter. And as a man, I go to his daughter and I say, this is what I want our marriage to be about. That's exactly what the Ten Commandments was. God went to the Israelites and said, I want you to be my bride, and I want our relationship to be based on these ten things. And the Israelites says, we're in. We'll do it. And so it was actually the beginning of this sweet marriage of God to the nation of Israel. And so what does Moses do as he, as he gets the Ten Commandments? It says in verse 28 of Exodus 34, it says, Moses was there with the Lord 40 days and 40 nights without eating, drink, uh, eating bread or drinking water. And he wrote on the tablets the word of the covenant, the Ten Commandments. And so he's invited into this sweet intimacy with the creator of the heaven and the earth. And what he does is he goes and he makes it in his for 40 days and 40 nights. It was Moses and it was God. Yes. What's this beautiful picture? We see in Matthew 4, Jesus getting baptized. It says the heavens open up, the spirit of God comes down like a dove. The dove lands on, on, on Jesus. He said he stayed. And he said, and then the spirit of the Lord led Jesus into the desert to be tempted. 
He's beginning his public ministry. He's beginning to move in power, you know, equipped by the spirit of a living God as he is God to begin to destroy the works of the enemy. And he starts with 40 days and 40 nights, no food, no water. Jesus, the spirit of God and father God. It's this beautiful picture. So I just want to, I think we, as, as we begin to think about fasting, we too often think about it as this brutal attempt of self-discipline. And while I'm at it, I might lose a few pounds. Let's be honest, right? You ever gone into fasting? It's like, hey, you know, God might bless it. I could lose three or four pounds and be fine. And so let's go into this fast. And I, I just want you to think. A fast is an invitation to more. It's an invitation to show your humility, to show your repentance, to show your, your new way of thinking, to show that you're serious about breakthrough, you're serious about prayer, you're serious about the presence of God in your life. And then you get to this moment that you take away these things that the flesh needs and, and, and you just fight through it. And at some point you look up, all things are gone, and it's you and the Godhead. Man, it's a beautiful invitation, right? It's this thing that we're designed to do. And if you begin to look at it and go, I want to seek first his kingdom and his righteousness. One of the first things I need to do is empty myself of the world so I can be filled with the things that are of the king. And so this is an invitation for us. We also begin to look at, at when you think about fasting as, as another way, you know, as Jesus was coming off of, of, of the Mount Transfiguration in, in, in Mark 9, there's a boy possessed by a demon. The, the disciples can't cast the demon out. The dad comes to him, says, hey, he throws my son in the fire. Jesus says, oh, you have little faith, and he drives out the demon. And the disciples go to him and say, hey, man, what happened? I don't understand. We've always been able to drive him out. He goes, oh, this one's different. This one can only be cast out through prayer and fasting. See, guys, I, I think so often, and what is, what is Jesus saying in that? You've been casting them out with the formula. You've been casting them out with a series of words, and they go. And at times in life, at times in our walk in the kingdom, at, at times with our adventure with Jesus in his kingdom, he's saying, you know what? This one is not going to work the way it's always worked. This one cannot be done through a formula. This one can't be done like the other eight were done. He says, this one, what is prayer and fasting? It's intimacy. He said, this one can only be cast out. Through intimacy. Now, what's interesting, Jesus said it can only be cast out through prayer and fasting. Was Jesus praying and fasting? No. He was up on Mount Transfiguration. That's not what he was doing because it was a lifestyle. It's what he did because he prayed, he fast, he gave. That was his ministry. That's what he did. And so for us, as we begin to look at it, God's calling us also in a fast. He goes, how many of you have things in your life that you've been pining for and you've never received that breakthrough. Anybody? I think that would be true for almost all of us. 
You know what the word is this morning? Hey, you've been trying to do that the same old way, and that thing, that breakthrough, that deliverance, that freedom, that more, that's only going to come through prayer and fasting. That's only going to come through intimacy. That's only going to come as you seek me in a different way. Because you know what's great about that? You know, why, you know why God does it that way? You know why at times the Bible's confusing? You know why he doesn't say, do this. It's not a recipe. It's not a cake mix. It's not a, you know, do this, beat it, preheat the oven. It comes out and you got this great cake. That's not it. What he says is, I don't want you to ever do life without me. Do you understand that if everything was spelled out, you don't need the Spirit of God. You don't need the Godhead. You don't need intimacy. By the way, we need this. But without God's voice telling me what it says, I'm confused most of the time. Right? It's a living, breathing, and he's inviting us in, and he's saying, man, I, I want you to come to me. I want you to surrender. I want you to die to yourself. I want all of your flesh to go away. I want to be in a deeper intimacy with you than you currently are. I want you to seek my kingdom first. And again, I think so often in that, we need to just die. Do you know the key to resurrection? Death. I mean, you, you can't resurrect something that's not dead, right? Jesus had to die so he could be raised, right? So many of us enter into a relationship with Jesus and we just want to upgrade. Do you know God's not looking to upgrade you. He's looking for you to die so you can be born again. That's the call. That's the beautiful invitation. And the church has really sold a cheap gospel. And again, I'm not being critical. I'm just trying to be biblical. It's not about believing. I said for years, Satan believes. Do you understand Satan believes that Jesus is the son of God? that he is the king, and he knows that he's going to come back and put his foot on his throat and take all this back. He knows that. He also knows he has better theology than you'll ever have on this side of heaven. So if you think theology and belief is the key to this life, it's not. It is a personal death so you can get life through the Spirit of God. That's the call. And I think part of how we get there is we get there through giving, we get there through praying, and we get there through fasting. And I think there's an invitation for each one of us as we, you know, um, probably a dozen churches will enter into a fast starting next Monday. It's a 21-day fast. And I just think it's one of those things, I, I don't fully understand fasting. I really don't. Um, Probably, I don't know how many years ago, 16, 17, 18 years ago, Greg was the uh, worship leader at Wood's Edge. Both of us had probably brown, beautiful hair. Uh, and 
Jeff called Woods Edge to a fast. I was attending Woods Edge, um, and, and I was not. You know those guys at church that you look at them and you wonder? You can be honest. Don't point at them. But <laughs> you wonder, like, why did you come to church? Like, you know those people? It's like, there's nothing about you that is surrendered to Jesus. You don't like people. You're greedy. You drink like a fish. You cuss like a sailor. Like, why do you come? Like, that was me. But for some reason, there was this invitation to fast, and I'm like, okay, I'll do it. And so I go on this three-day fast, liquid fast. And probably day two, I was like, you know what? I might as well not watch TV. I think I'll just drink this apple juice and water. And about day two, the supernatural peace of God fell on me in a way that I never thought I could have. You know what I changed about myself? Nothing. You know, I laid down that day, nothing. I came home and I remember sin called me and I said, I'm not interested. But then it kept calling and I went back. I went to sin. But I tell you what happened in those three days. God planted a seed of his kingdom that I'd never experienced. I grew up in church. I grew up in youth group. But I had never experienced the beauty of his kingdom. And it just fell on me. And it was just the foundation that when God finally, and I can only describe it as he wore me down to where I had nothing left. And I said, Lord, I will give you everything. And that'll be 15 years on January 27th. But it all started on a three-day fast from a lost, selfish little boy that the Lord began to crash through. So again, I didn't understand it. I think it was just an act of discipline. But you know, God didn't care. He met me where I was. And here's what's interesting. I can honestly say, through that three-day fast that started it, my kids, my grandkids, my great-grandkids, my great-great-grandkids, do you know they're never going to be the same? Because generationally, something was broken that I'm not going to give the enemy access to. And it started there. As I just say that, just inviting you, no matter where you are, enter into it. The Lord's not asking you to change anything. He's asking you to come as you are, surrender to the extent that you can surrender, and watch how much he loves you. There's... there's, I still can't get over that God would touch me. I just can't get over it. And he'll touch you as much as he'll touch me. So some of you are just a place of 
man, what do I have to lose? You know what I'm saying? Again, not asking you to raise your hand, but you're like, what do I have to lose? I, if I'm honest, I'm dead inside. I've won some of the world. But guys, you know, if you want the world, it can be given to you. The prince of this world will give you whatever you want. Just go to his side. But the Lord says, I've got something so much better. And wherever you are, just say, I, I want to step into that. Some of the rest of you have been doing this and you're like, I'm just ready for the more. Right? I just, I know there's another step and I'm just going to reach for it. I'm going to seek after it. I don't have to understand it. But what I'm going to do is I'm going to abandon all these other things. My priority is going to be I want more of the king and his kingdom at all costs. I know when you begin to fast, you ask this question, how do I fast? Uh, do I do 21 days? Do I? I don't know. Ask the Lord. Uh, I'd say go as long as you can and break as long as you can. And someone says, well, I, you know, I've had a great breakthrough with technology fast. I personally don't believe in the idea of fasting from technology and TV. Think about the word breakfast. The word is break fast. It's a food-related adventure to deny your flesh. Now, by the way, do I think there's a lot of fruit from turning off your social media, not watching TV? Yeah, there's a great deal of fruit in it because it's junk, right? And if you stop looking at junk and look at the king, you know what you're going to get? The king, if you look at the world, you're going to feel yucky from the world. So by the way, I think it's a great adventure to turn your stuff off. I'm not being critical of it. I'm just saying if that's what you feed yourself, that's going to be the fruit. But I do believe it's a call to dethrone your stomach. It's, it's a call to say, Jesus, you will be my substance. You will feed me. I will eat of your flesh and drink of your blood, and I will experience your kingdom. It's a call to be weak in the flesh, but yet strong in the spirit. Isn't that a heck of an exchange? Yes. As I just encourage you, um, and it is an encouragement, say yes. Don't worry about it. Say yes. Don't be thinking about, well, I've got that dinner party on the 19th. So what? Don't go. Go. Drink water. Whatever. I, I think there's a way. Ask the Lord to increase our hunger for the things of him. See, here's the thing. Your hunger is God-given because he wants you to desire him. And what the world wants you to do is look over here. Look over here. And a fast is the time that says, I'm going to look in one place. I'm going to look to the king of glory, and I'm going to ask him to fill me up. I'm going to ask him to convict me. I'm going to ask him to rearrange me. I'm going to ask him to empower me. I'm going to ask him to fill me with love and his goodness and his joy. And I want a grace to fall on my life that empowers me to do the things that he wants me to do to advance his kingdom as I seek first his kingdom and his righteousness.